Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. I'm Nathan Collier, Director of Content Marketing here at Pursuit, standing in for Jim today. In today's episode, you will hear from Sarah Flint, Director of Legal Operations and Technology at HubSpot. Sarah spoke with Cynthia Loren, our Director of Community here at Pursuit, and together they really dive into take an inside look of what HubSpot's legal operations team has been doing the last few years. Sarah has a ton of stories that I know you'll get a lot from. You'll hear about her insights into the makings of a great legal ops professional. And you also hear some stories about how HubSpot is empowering its teams to experiment, uh, including embracing new technology solutions like ChatGPT and other generative AI. They couldn't be more timely for the challenges that today's legal ops leaders are now facing. So as Jim would say, sit back, chillax, and enjoy the show. Hi, Sarah. Tell us a little bit about how you became Director for Legal Operations and Technology at HubSpot. Within HubSpot, like my background is kind of hands-on, technical, IT, systems configuration, process automation, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, When I joined HubSpot, I started in our business enablement team doing a lot of process evaluation across the company, looking at systems, thinking about how things were impacting our end user experience. Then I moved into our product and engineering org. GDPR became a thing. I partnered really closely with the legal department on making sure that we were building controls for the organization um, to be compliant with GDPR. In our product org, I built our first privacy and security program management team. I did a stint leading our BI infrastructure team for a year which obviously partnered closely with legal as well uh, on data privacy challenges. And then this opportunity came along where I had worked with a bunch of people in legal. I was familiar with the GC at the time, who was John Kelleher. Just had an opportunity. They were looking to really lean into legal ops, had an opportunity to create a proposal, basically. You know, how do you think about operations? How would you solve for legal operations at HubSpot? We riffed on that a little bit and it worked. We were both really aligned. And so I was able to jump in and start this function in our group. It sounds like you've had a really varied route and you've done a number of things before you've gotten here. What's the best part of the current role that you do? What's your favorite bit of being, you know, head of legal ops? My team being able to, I've had a lot of approaches to building teams before. I've inherited teams, right? And this is really one of my first opportunities to build this multifunctional operations team within legal. And so that's been exciting to do and to see it ramp so quickly and Mm -hmm. to start delivering results that are really impacting our team. I think also just partnering with the legal team. Um, I think legal is a department that oftentimes uh, people don't think of investing there first. Companies don't think of investing there first in terms of technology and automation. And so there's just been so much low-hanging fruit um, where we're able to really provide value to the organization that that's been really exciting to dive into. Yeah. You, you just touched there on delivering results. So I'd love to hear from you um, some of the approaches and practices that you found to be most effective. Because it's, it's not an easy thing, right? Collaborating 
with an in-house team. There are so many elements to what you are expected to deliver to them. So what are some of the, the tips and practices that you found have worked with for you at HubSpot uh, particularly? We have an amazing group of leaders at HubSpot and a, a really amazing team that's being very forward looking in terms of using technology to solve things. I mean, we're a technology company. But what I was mentioning before, how legal teams can sometimes be underinvested in by companies, I think what that results in is legal teams going and implementing their own tech and not really thinking through all of the tech debt and the operational maintenance, how it integrates with other systems in the company, right? So scalability at its heart. Um, and so one of the things that I found really effective is just talking with teams and saying like, hey, are you thinking about the scalability of this. Like, talk to me about the problems you're having. Now let's look, okay, we have X number of practice areas all having a very similar problem. Like, let's think about a scalable solution to this for end-to-end -end scalability. Um, and I think like, is the thing that we're solving for something you want to be doing? Is it a core competency of what you want to build on your team? Or is it something that like people hate doing and it's not really a huge value add to have a person? Um, so I think that's been really helpful, just talking about how we can make people's lives better by allowing them to focus on their core work, leaning into scalability. Um, another thing that I try to do is talk about problems mm -hmm. because a lot of times, and especially again with teams like ours, right? They're very quick to say like, all right, we're gonna try the solution. Yep, let's, let's get it in, let's get it in place. And I think taking a step back and saying like, no, let's really think about the problem. Is this the most important problem to solve? What's the impact of solving for it? Um, and now we can think about, you know, a scalable solution and even like iterating, how do we deliver value incrementally on some of those like big bang projects that we might need to under, uh, undertake. Could you give me an example of, um, you know, a project that you've had to sort of um, adapt that approach to or use that approach with? Ticketing. <laughs> the legal team had implemented their own ticketing system. It was different from any of the tickets that the, uh, any of the systems the rest of the company use, which means that like as an end user, you would go to engage with legal and you're like, wait, what system do I go to? How do I engage with you, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the first things I did was work with our enterprise IT team. We have a great leader over there, Ryan Ward, and say like, hey, I don't want us to own this stuff. I want you guys to own this stuff and we just want to use it. Um, and so they were implementing a tool called ServiceNow, and we're actually in the process of migrating over to that tool right now. And the way that we're doing it incrementally is we're really onboarding one practice area at a time and like the end-to-end -end process. So we did our commercial team first, for example, our commercial team on the, on the customer lifecycle side. And, and we're moving on to like our legal ops and core business teams next until we're completely deprecated from the legacy solution that we had. And how are you getting people kind of excited and engaged, you know, on a project like that? Do you do much storytelling? You know, what, what's the, what's the way of kind of keeping the momentum going for stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I think that can always be tough. Um, thankfully, like it's my team's job to keep things going, right. To keep the momentum going what we try and do is so for example this first iteration we did with commercial legal we also implemented a knowledge base with it 
And now we're able to get such better insights from the data that are actually informing business decisions and we showcase those. So, right. you know, we'll talk about those within the department. How did this help us make these decisions? We're able to have all this insight now or deflect um, and enable self-service this much more. And so I think showcasing those yeah. benefits for other teams is really, really helpful. Sarah, I know you've talked to me about uh, great things regarding the role, the people and the variety of what you do. Tell me a bit about the challenges. What is tough about the role that you currently undertake? I think that probably one of the things I underestimated the most, because my, my philosophy is ops is ops, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's RevOps, it's legal ops, it's FinOps, it's, it's all people process data technology. I think the thing that I probably underestimated the most are like, hey, there are these really niche areas of legal that are unique to legal that we need to understand. Spend management and e-billing, right? Matter management, that whole life cycle and how that works is one that really came top of mind, like how we're leveraging our outside counsel, the amount of spend we have with outside counsel, right? right. And how we're thinking about not just the spend, but DIMB, right? And, and how we really enable our teams. Um, so that's been one. And then I also think the mindset. So mm -hmm. working within the legal profession, right, you're working with people who have been trained to identify, we're enabling our business to succeed by, by identifying risks mm -hmm. that could potentially harm the business. And so that in and of itself doesn't always lend well to experimentation. It's like trying to walk that line and um, help people like work with the team to understand risk more. So I actually just did a stint where I was um, filling in for some of our enterprise risk management responsibilities and I got a really good understanding of that. Um, but also just like understanding them and also like helping them to understand um, the ops team and kind of uh, our goals around things. It's worked really well. Our team is very open and willing um, yeah. to trying new things, which has been fantastic. So you've mentioned one of the, you know, the topics that I love to discuss, obviously, because I work at Pursuit. So outside council management. Talk to me about, I mean, so for you, that was a bit of a revelation. This is a slightly different thing, um, yes. you know, within legal teams. How are you solving for that? How are you going ab about sort of understanding it, um, addressing it, and where are you at now? looking at our vendors and bidding them against each other and being really thoughtful about how we're evaluating them. We, we didn't do any of that really before, not in a systematic way. And so we've actually spun up a new spend management program within ops, which is really like end to end. How are we looking at vendor selection? How do we look at having like a committee of folks focused on vendors? What are the platforms that we're using and how are they integrated? And then how do we think about kind of the control mechanisms we have, such as, you know, in our outside counsel billing guidelines, mm -hmm. um, our engagement letters. And so those were admittedly areas where I didn't have a ton of experience. And I think as a leader, you need to know where your weaknesses are and you bring people in who have strengths in those areas. Um, and so that's what I was able to do, right? And bringing people in to say like, nope, I know this like the back of my hand. Uh, like this is what, this is how we can kind of craft a multi-year program that will get us to where we need to be. 
there's always an ongoing debate about legal ops professionals and, you know, what makes for a good legal ops person? Is it better to have a background in legal or is it better that you're actually mm -hmm. so removed from it that you have a completely different lens? Where do you sit on that spectrum? What's your take? Well, I do not have a formal legal education, although, uh, you know, my whole family are lawyers. So right. the big joke is like, ha, 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 you made it. You made it back to legal <laughs> one way or another, um, which I guess I did, right? Um, you know, we have a ton of brilliant legal professionals in the team. There is no shortage of legal expertise and know-how on the team. Mm. What we didn't have was that pure operational knowledge, the systems, the data, the knowledge management and knowledge taxonomy, the program mm. management, right? Like we didn't have anyone really, really trained and skilled in those areas. And so those were the weaknesses we had um, and, and the gaps that we needed to fill in. Now, I do think that I have brought some people in onto the ops team who do have legal backgrounds for sure, because I think it is valuable to have that, especially people who have moved away um, mm -hmm. from legal profession and say like, no, I want to do ops. Like, this is yeah. what I want to do. Um, but I, I started with people who were definitely more ops focused. Right, right. And, and in terms of sort of your ongoing professional development and, you know, continuing education in the legal ops space, what for you are some of the tools and, you know, things that you tap into to keep on top of what's happening? Because it's constantly changing. I mean, you know, we've gone from no one talking about legal ops to absolutely everybody talking about it. So how do you stay on top of developments? Yeah. Um, I think I think that's a really hard one, right? When I joined Legal Ops, I had no idea what the tech landscape looked like. And immediately, it was like, as soon as my title and LinkedIn changed, it was like, boom. <laughs> I had tons of vendors reaching out all the time. Yeah. Um, and so what I do really is like, I, I listen to a bunch of podcasts. Like, like, hopefully people listen to this one. I find influencers in the space. I look to network with people who are really doing innovative things with technology, which I, I know it's out there, but it's been harder, I think, mm -hmm. to find. Um, and networking with other companies and contributing back to the space, yeah. right? So I think those have really been my key ways of staying attuned. Now with, with Gen AI, which you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into at some point, um, sure. that's just, it's a different beast. Right. That's like, where's all the information? How do I get it? How do I spend X amount of time reading and learning on a daily basis to yeah. parse out what's real and what's not? Um, and yeah, it's just it's been really interesting. Well, I mean, let's tug on that particular thread. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what everything that's happening with generative AI. How is this impacting you um, within the team? What's your view on it? What is the temperature within the legal team? You know, what's the feeling in HubSpot right now? Talk to me about that bit. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> feeling at, the feeling at HubSpot is bring it on, right? Um, it is really quite amazing to me um, how, how much our executive leadership at the company um, is empowering the business to really experiment and lean in and embrace generative AI. Including, you know, our, my amazing CLO, uh, Alisa Harvey Dawson, 
who every time I have a one-on-one -on -one with her, what are we doing with generative AI? How are we thinking about this, right? And so she's holding my feet to the fire on yeah. that, um, which is great. I love it, right? Yeah. I absolutely love it. I think the way that I've been thinking about it is really like there are three prongs to this. This is not just a new solution that you go out and buy and you implement and everyone's using it the next day, right? Yeah. It's evolving on a daily basis. And so I think there are three different prongs to this. One is cultural. Yeah. So how do we enable brainstorming within the department, brainstorming sessions? Um, legal Ops has office hours with the rest of the legal team. Um, I actually just came from one of those to talk right. about whatever's on people's minds about this. Um, we have everyone signed up for training um, so that we have the same foundation of understanding when it comes to AI. And we're going to have a speaker series of our own where we're bringing in external experts to talk to our department about AI. So it's like this, this uh, transformation in that regard. In terms of technology, you know, it's what's our strategy? Mm -hmm. That's the second prong. It's, uh, you know, buy versus build, rapid experimentation. Um, the approach that I have been taking is like, hey, you know, I'm not going to build a development team within the legal ops group, right? Yeah. What we need to be doing is we need to be pushing our vendors to say, how are you investing in this? How are you thinking about building these capabilities into your product? If you're not thinking about it, then that's like a really important thing for me to know whether or not we continue investing in those solutions. Right. Um, because my, my feeling is everyone, all of our vendors need to be looking at that. Um, and then I think another part of it is alignment across the organization. So again, we have ops teams and people doing ops stuff all across the company. Yeah. How are you thinking about it? How are you thinking about solving for it? These problems, we are too. Like, is this an enterprise solution we can use? Or is this something that, you know, we should be looking at on our own? So I think that alignment really helps to break down silos. I'm curious to know, you mentioned that you just done an office hours and, you know, it's about kind of figuring out what's on people's minds. Can you maybe give us three top things that are on the lawyers' minds right now in, 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 in this particular context? I think everyone's excited, but I think okay. it's questions, right? It's like, hey, um, is this a safe use case or what happens to this data once we put it into a tool like that? Um, how do we think about some of the new tools that are, so we talked about a bunch of new tools, right? And like, how do we think about piloting those? And again, like what's the safest way for us to do that and evaluate that? And we also had uh, you know, a member of our, our privacy team come and kind of talk about the company's, the guardrails. The privacy team is building AI guardrails for the right. rest of the company. And so like, how do we think about those for our own team? So yeah, that was the biggest point of discussion. It was a, it was a fun one. Interesting. And, you know, with something like ChatGPT, can everybody access it within the org or are there restrictions at the moment? You know, what's what's the position on it right now? Um, we have an amazing group of intelligent folks at HubSpot who have built kind of our own internal instance. Uh, it's not accessible yet, but it will be soon. Um, and so we're really trying to lean into how do we safely empower the business to experiment? as quickly as possible. And so that's one of the things that we're working on right now.
Okay. Very exciting. Well, I mean, I hope I hope you'll come back and tell us more because that sounds like that that's going to be a a pretty significant um, development. I know I want to circle back a little bit, Sarah. I know that you have been pretty active on the sustainability front. You were involved in setting up the sustainability committee at HubSpot. Can you talk to us a bit about that? What what were the objectives of the committee? Um, How did you go about it? And where is it? Where's the program at now? Yeah, um, I love the sustainability work. So I joined the sustainability committee, you know, a couple of years ago now, it doesn't feel like that long. They're one of our leaders on the corporate side and legal. I was in product and engineering, and then we had, there was a leader in corporate who obviously had purview into everything going on at the board level, right, around ESG, was trying to figure out how to kick things off internally and like build momentum around this as a topic. Um, so... I volunteered to partner with her and a few other folks to think about like, hey, how do we start wrapping our heads around this? What that led to was kind of this committee we formed around the ESG pillars. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really leaned into to research. How do we network and research what's going on here? What are, where are we already doing this stuff? And we just need to figure out how to tell the story. How do we do a materiality assessment, right? And so we really just tried to figure out what was missing, what are the gaps? And then how do we organize and start executing against closing some of those gaps? I think what we learned along the way is that, so we were able to, you know, improve our scores with our raters and rankers just by talking about the stuff we were doing. What we learned is that it's part of our culture, the, the G and the S just so naturally fit with HubSpot's culture that we were doing a lot of that stuff already. Um, the social and governance pillars, yeah, where we probably had the most room to make up was on the environmental side. And with all the kind of momentum we were able to gain around ESG and leadership visibility into that, where that wound up is like, hey, we need to bring in a leader who knows what they're doing, and especially in the environmental domain with that experience, and to really oversee this as a program. Um, and so that was so much fun. And so today we don't, our committee, that, that like kind of organic committee isn't there so much anymore because it's all owned by our director of sustainability. Um, but my role in it now is more on the governance side, right. Right. And like connecting the dots. So data privacy and trust and board governance. And so I have a program manager on my team who partners with the sustainability team to make sure they have all the right inputs and know about all the great stuff we're doing to be able to socialize in those reports. That sounds great. And what what's the sort of the external lens on that? What's the, you know, the impact that having that has has achieved for, for HubSpot? Uh, I mean, we are able to tell our customers, our stakeholders, we are able to tell the story about sustainability at HubSpot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which I, I think... I think we didn't do it and as focused away anymore. So we have, we actually, I think just had our second or third annual ESG report that came out, right? right. And so that was a thing that got launched that we're able to iterate on. Um, and so I think the communications in regards to that and, and the transparency into the work we're doing, not just with stakeholders, but you know what? Our employees care a lot about this too. Being able to socialize with our employees what's going on and include them in that journey has just been massively impactful. Um, there's lots of stuff we're going to do in the future. Like how do we think about 
um, our vendors and sustainability, right? Yeah. Um, sustainability is also like an evolving topic uh, yeah. every year. It changes a little bit, um, the things that we look at. And so making sure that we have our the pulse on that. You know, if my career has told me anything, it's that things don't plan five years ahead. <laughs> uh, things <laughs> change so much, right? Yeah. Um, I love ops. I, I think I will always be in operations. Um, I am finding as I mature in my career that I also get a lot of enjoyment out of mentoring people, you know, how to grow and become leaders at companies. Also, as you build your network, talking with folks and networking, again, podcasts, um, Q&A forums to help people work through challenges, different operational challenges that they have. Um, I think there are also loads of opportunities that people take as they mature in their careers, right? Board opportunities um, that you can pursue um, and various things. So uh, I don't know if I, I have a title in mind necessarily. Yeah. I know that I have areas of ops I need to learn more about still and want to learn more about still. Mm -hmm. And so I think I, I'm happy in this world uh, for a long time. No, that's excellent. And, and if you weren't doing this, what, what do you think would have been plan B? If I weren't doing this, so I used to daydream. At some point in my career, I pivoted from like hands-on keyboard technical implementation work to business analysis and strategy. I think sometimes about that, that fork and I'm like, well, what if I had gone the other path? Um, so I used to think a lot like, oh, you know, what if I went back to school, right? And what if I, I learned how to code? Um, and I could build oh. my own stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so that was always really interesting. But then honestly, a bunch of low code, no code solutions came out that made it really easy for me to do that <laughs> stuff without needing to go and learn how to be a coder, a developer. Yeah. And so um, I don't think about it quite as often, um, but it still just fascinates me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um, Sarah, there, there are lots of people that are really interested in the role, you know, this role within legal ops. And like you mentioned, people come at it from, you know, very different uh, means, different journeys in. Do you, Just bearing that in mind, do you have any top tips for, let's say, a young person who's out there, maybe someone that's listening to this podcast is thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe they're a lawyer, maybe they're not, they'd, but they're really interested in the in the legal ops space. What would be your top tips for how to kind of get under the skin of what this is and, and maybe, you know, get into doing legal ops as a role? Don't assume that because you don't have the title today, you're not doing it already, which is what I found with so many people that I've interviewed and spoken with. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing this stuff already as kind of side of the desk projects. Mm -hmm. um, I would say you know, carving time out in your schedule, um, if you can, right, to pursue some of those needs that your team might have. And maybe it, like if you don't have a legal ops team, right, I think you can showcase that by driving some initiatives that the team might not normally be able to take on, or there's no clear ownership, right? Like what team should do this? Just by driving some of those things, um, yeah. you make yourself visible. And I think you can show that there's an opportunity there. Um, one of the things that we also have done, right, is intern programs, or um, we have a great like cross-functional access program where we try and give people exposure to different practice areas um, right. within our department. And so like 
seize those opportunities. Just go talk. If you have a legal ops group, just go talk to them. Uh, someone reached out to me recently uh, from another team and they said, hey, I'm just interested like in learning more about this area. Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's talk about projects you could help on. Um, I'm actually super excited. And we actually have a, uh, a recruiter who, who he was a recruiter um, that supported legal. He's amazing, right? Just had such a great ops mindset. And we, I hired him on the team. I said, like, you're gonna be amazing at this. And I think people just think that there's like all this magic behind it. And, and they're, not, they're not up to it. They don't have the training. They don't have the skills. It's the beautiful thing about ops is it's a mindset. And so don't feel that way, please. And like have those conversations and you know, see what some other companies are doing too. Yeah, I love that. Fantastic advice. That's really great advice. Thank you. Um, the question, final question for you, and it's a question I love asking each of our guests. What advice would you give younger Sarah? So if you could go back and talk to 25-year-old Sarah, I know, you know, that wasn't that long ago. What would you tell uh, her? <laughs> yeah, uh, I love this question. I would say this is just the start of your very long, windy journey. Um, rock every single role that you have. Take every opportunity to learn about each area you, you get exposed to. Um, put proposals out there, right? And don't get upset when they get shot down. Just keep doing it. Because at some point, someone's going to really support you and lean into those ideas. And that's all you need, right? Um, to get to your next step. So just please like take the opportunity, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's what I would tell 25 year old Sarah. Awesome. I think she did an okay job at doing that too. So. <laughs> awesome. Sarah, thank you so much. I have loved oh, this you. conversation. I think that it's a, you've, you've given us a real treasure trove of, of tips um, in some, in, you know, a lot of what you've talked about. So thank you so much for being here. I would love to have you back um, so we can talk about where you've kind of got to with some of the things that you've um, pointed at that HubSpot's trying to achieve. So I hope you'll take us up when we come knocking. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. It's been wonderful to chat and definitely looking forward to connecting again in the future. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.